Bags down, spikes on. Welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman, and I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And today we're joined by a very special guest, uh, 2020 Olympic gold medalist in the 4x4, uh, fourth place in the Olympics in the Open 400, uh, gold in the World Championships in the 4x4, as well as a silver in the World Championships in 2018 indoors in the individual 400 uh fashion icon in track and field why not let's throw that in there uh michael cherry michael thank you for joining us today man really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me man i really enjoy uh watching your podcast i'm glad to be here thank you thank you it's uh it's been great seeing how you've really been progressing uh this year and uh i'm glad to finally have you have you join us here on the show but um, but before we get into any track and field stuff, we have a few fan questions and, and some off the track stuff. A lot of people wanted to ask. So uh, first, um, this comes from Noah Williams. So former LSU guy as well. He says, which LSU guy has the best drip? Best drip? Um, like like what era, though? Like what era are we talking about? Like, See, that's a great question. I, I'm, I'm guessing he was trying to get you to say him. Uh, all right. But- we think, all right. Recently, Noah hands down. Yeah, Noah hands down recently. I don't think I don't think nobody else is messing with Noah uh recently on the team though. Yeah, for sure. So I gotta give it, I gotta give it to Noah Williams for sure. Yeah, he got that. There you go. There you go, Noah. You got your shout out. Uh, <laughs> good work, good work, good work. Uh the next this comes from Ryan Ree. Short question. He says, Can you cook? And I guess we'll expand that to if you can, what's your favorite item to cook? I'm a I'm an air fryer chef. <laughs> so I always go on YouTube and look up different meals on uh, YouTube to try to cook in an air fryer. But I don't know. I might cook like I kind of eat the same stuff every day. I eat salmon, uh, chicken, um, I don't know, turkey, tuna fish. Like I guess it's got random, like lean, but like short, quick meals. Like so I'm a I'm a I'm an air fryer chef. If you count the air fryer as cooking, I'm a I can cook. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm an air fryer guy till the day I die. Yeah. Ever since I got one, it's like, oh yeah, oh, cook this stuff's easy. It's too easy. Why would I go back to the oven? I can't, I don't think I used the oven in like maybe like two years. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> takes way too long. Like, yo, I can finish a, a meal in the entire air fryer before it even preheats in the exactly, oven. So exactly. And I'm in there sweating. I don't like all that extra work. <laughs> I just want to pop it in, go to my couch, watch TV, come back, open it up, pull the food out. That's all I Boom. need. There you go. Make it easy. Make it easy. Uh next one. This is from Lightning Bolt 04. She says, how do you mentally prepare for high pressure scenarios? Oh, that's a good one. I actually, um, I feel like for me, I just talk to myself in the mirror before I leave the hotel. So I, I literally go to the hotel, I'm in a room, focus on what I have to do, lay all my stuff out. I like to just make it like, make my day easier. So if it's a high pressure track meet, I lay my uniform out. Uh, I pick out what I'm gonna eat already. So I just keep everything organized and in line so I can just only think about my, what I wanna accomplish, what I wanna accomplish. And then by the time I get to the track, I'm just basically just telling myself, like, this is what I got to do. This is what I got to do. If you ever look at me close online, I'm always talking to myself. Like, just letting myself know, like, okay, this is the moment that we have to achieve this. If I want something bigger, then I have to get this done right here. So just holding myself accountable and making sure my whole day is just organized so I can break stuff down and have less stress to not really only think about the race, but just focus on the goal that I have at task at hand. 
Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it was a similar thing. Like I would, whenever we had a, whether it be conferences, state championships, whatever it might be like, all right, let me, let me lay out all my clothes. Like, let me plan my day in the morning. Like, okay, when does the bus leave? When's this gotta go? So last thing you want to do is stressing about, oh man, I lost my spikes. I lost my bib. You know, what am I going to do? And then you started having that pressure on top of the pressure of actually racing Then you can't really focus. And it's going out there with a plan too. I always feel like it works. So uh, whatever event you do, just knowing, uh, how you want to execute your race and then following that plan, making sure you stay there and actually execute it when you get out there and not just go out there scrambling and not know what you're doing. And that adds even more pressure to the situation. So I feel like just being organized overall as in race plan, um, meals, um, uh, uniforms, everything just helps ease my mind. Yep. That's where the air fryer comes in. Makes it mm-hmm. easy so you don't have to worry about that organization. Well, <laughs> when you're in Europe, you probably don't have an air fryer. You know, they might have like a little meals they give to you. So that's that's easy too. You don't have to do it. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. there, there you go. There you go. Uh, and then last fan question. This is from M, uh, Emma Bino, Nicole. She says, who inspired you as a young athlete? Um, shoot, young athlete. I say Michael Vick, Allen Iverson. Um, that's probably like the, the, the main two. I didn't know anything about Chuck. I don't think I started running Chuck maybe until like middle of high school. So, um, yeah. Just like football, basketball players, of course, everybody has like a Michael Jordan or Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Um, As like when I got older, like high school, I would say boxes. I like a lot of boxes. I like Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather is my favorite athlete of all time. And uh, I kind of like people with some swag. So Adrian Bronner, Bronner, like those type of Nick Young, (laughs) like those type of athletes. So might not be the best, but you make it entertaining. Yeah, man. Swaggy P. <laughs> all, the, all those guys. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. J.R. Smith. You got to have some some people that, that kind of like those guys, too, though. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm a so I'm a Philly guy myself. So I was big into A.I. growing up. Okay. Still got yeah. a, his a, like an A.I. thing on my bookshelf. It was something I got from my cousin. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. He, some guy that was definitely everyone in my my area code, like my age. Yeah. He's like just icon for our generation, for sure. Super, super, super legendary. I love Alan Iverson. Definitely. Definitely. And then, um, so now, you know, before getting into what you got going on with the, with the track, uh, for anyone that's watching or anyone that has tuned into your Instagram, literally anything in your life, they'll know fashion shoes is a big, big part for you. So we'll kind of, instead of just going through your whole discography or your whole shoe collection, I got a few, a few pairs that will, I'll ask you about. So I might, if I stumped you or or whatever, you don't have have a a thing off the top of the head, no problem. But I was interested in what is your, what was your first pair of shoes you bought? So like first, like act, not like, you know, you bought a pair of regular running shoes, but first like real hype shoe you kind of bought. What is the last pair of shoes that you purchased? Yeah. What is your favorite pair that you have? And then what is a pair of shoes you regret buying? All right. So I can use, I'm going to use um my first pair of shoe as in like, I'm not going to say my hype one, but like, I remember my first pair of Jordans uh, as a, like an older, older person. I'm, I worked at finish line of high school. So I bought a pair of uh, Wolf Grade five. So Wolf Grade fives, that was like my first purchase on my own money. I used to get maybe like 160 from my paycheck at, at work. And I used 130 of it to get those pair of shoes so that was my, <laughs> my first first like legit pair entry into the shoe game i seen uh the movie lottery ticket and i wanted to have a collection like bow wow on there <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was my first pair i paid with my own money so i, I call the wolf grade fives as my first first like legit pair that i like 
Awesome. And then what, yeah. So what would you say, what is your, what was the last pair of shoes that you purchased? Last pair of shoes. I just got the, um, 85 Navy blue and Navy, Navy blue and white, uh, Air Jordan ones. So it just came out. Maybe what was it? Uh, you know, it was Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday morning. So I just bought those Wednesday. Nice. There you go. And what is your favorite pair of shoes right now? My favorite pair of shoes have to be, uh, um, the Don C twos, Don C twos, the all blue Jordan twos. Um, I love them. I couldn't afford them in college. They probably was like, uh, going for like 16, 1500 resale. So uh, soon I turned professional, I just bought them in. I used to see all the Kentucky players like Devin Booker and them playing basketball. And when I was in school, like, damn, they're playing basketball on those. Like I just want to wear them on my feet. So <laughs> soon I went professional. I had one about uh, getting a pair for like a good little deal. I might've paid like a stack or something like that, a thousand dollars. And, and then, uh, Shoot, that was like my girl. I love that shoe. It's like a designer Air Jordan. So, yeah, for me, it's probably the the classic that a lot of people have the the uh, Chicago ones. Like, I love Chicago ones too. That's 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 in my top three: Chicago ones and uh, and cement threes, black cement threes. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, just like yeah, it's but... so clean. I'm like, yeah, you got it right on the first try. Like this is yeah, this yeah. is it. Like this, this is the yeah. colorway. Yeah, and then a, on the shoe. flip side, what is a pair of shoes that you regretted buying? Mm, regret buying. I don't know. Yeah, I think. Um, oh, Air Jordan KO1s. <laughs> I bought a, a pair of Air Jordan KO1s. I think it was a, a royal blue and a white pair. Uh, it was just, those shoes are just ugly. Like, I thought it would be cool, like, just to own every version of the um, royal, the royal colorway, as in, like, the, the, the different year releases and the different leather. But uh, I got like the Nubuck um, KO Jordans. They're trash though. They're trash. Definitely. I threw those in the trash. I didn't even never wore them. I seen them and they just sent me like a pair of Chicago uh, KO ones and they're trash too. So <laughs> <laughs> that might be the worst shoe. Yeah, definitely. Hey, they so, can't yeah. all be hits, but a lot of them are. Sometimes you're going you're gonna to miss a couple times. You know. For sure, for sure. But you won't catch me on camera with them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Not walking into no track meet with, uh, with the nah. new bricks, for nah, sure. Not, 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 the, not the trash ones, for sure. And, and so you're a, you're a big basketball guy as well. I know you, I think you played in high school uh, yeah. also. And there's a couple ballers on the track. And so <laughs> if you had to make a starting five of basketball players for track and field athletes, who yeah. would be on your starting five? And you can include yourself, obviously. So right. who's going to be well, on the court? I'm going to be you? up there. I might play like the three, three guard. My point guard might be, uh, I might have a big lineup. Big guard, I got to go Vernon Norwood. <laughs> my, my, my shooting guard, um, let me see. Fred. Fred's pretty athletic. I'm going to run Fred at the three. Uh, at the five, I need something big and strong, right? Brian mm -hmm. Krauser. There you go. No one. I don't know if we can hoop, but we are gonna find out. The four. Let me get big homie. I want big, big, <laughs> big on big. So what that is? Oh, that's my whole lot of right there. So I'm gonna go. Vernon, Fred, me, big homie, Ryan Crosby. <laughs> there you go. Gee, all right. We got we got to get this lineup going. We're gonna challenge yeah, yeah, other yeah, sports. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we can we can we can hold it we can hold it down. We can't really switch what through. Uh, we can switch from three to, to one, but four to five, they got to stay big and just sit in the paint. We just want to protect the paint. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, you got it. You got a lot of, lot of, you got some strong guys though. From three yeah, that's what I need. I need some guys. size. Some size, size and a little bit of speed, some explosiveness. I think I'd be cool with them. There you go. You'll be all right. <laughs> and uh, something else you also see if you're tuning into your Twitter, you're also big on the sports bets with FanDuel mm -hmm. and all that types of stuff. What would you say is the biggest uh, bet that you won, uh, biggest hit that you made um, overall? Um, 
Shoot. I think during last year through the NBA playoffs, I made a bet for $40 and hit on like 8000 8000 And it was the same day as Mount Sack, too. So <laughs> I ran, got second at Mount Sack, and then hit for 8000 that same night. I was super, super excited. And it came down to the last 10 seconds of a three-pointer from uh, from Bogan, Bogan Bogdanovich. Uh, he hit the three. And it and it killed and it saved my ticket right there. So yeah, that, that was that was the biggest one I hit. I'll be trying to hit for 15, 20. I'll be seeing people, some people hit for 150. Like it's crazy, but never hit for that much. I wish I could though. But yeah, the biggest is eight thousand. But over collective, like I feel like that NBA playoffs, I might have made like 30 grand. <laughs> just off the NBA playoffs, because just betting every single time, just fifty dollars, fifty dollars, fifty dollars. I think I was hitting for like maybe two thousand a day. You got to start giving these tips away, man. If you hit yeah. I mean, a lot of like betting groups and stuff too. So I kind of steal some of my stuff from uh, other people and then mix it with my own and then try to hit like that. So there you go. So it's work. It's working out for you. It's working out for, sure, for you. Sure. That's my, that's so, my second job. I call it <laughs> the second job. Yeah. It's uh, the, the side, the side hustle. Yeah, uh, yeah. So with, with track and field uh, first, I guess a, a trivia question about yourself. So this year you would, you really had a breakout season with, with track and field. Do you know how many times you PR'd this year? Um, no, I don't know how many times I PR'd at all. No, I wasn't really paying attention. If you had uh, a guess how many times you PR'd, what, what would you think? Uh, about four times. Exactly. Oh, I, you don't know. You hit it right on the nose. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, nah, that's just like a random guess. I know it had to be somewhere between four or five just because uh, sometimes I was running this flirting like between the middle, like 44-5, 44-4. And then, yeah, I don't, yeah so it got to be around four or five easily. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, wanted to track back to where track and field really started for you. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you really got into the game a little late compared to some people who might have been running since they were in diapers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what got you into to track and field? What made you want to run in the first place? Um, well, I was looking for like a secondary sport to football to try to figure out something just to do in between the time. Because uh, I played football, basketball my whole life. And then when I got to high school, it was more so like I didn't have a second sport. So I tried soccer, didn't like soccer. It was horrible. And then uh, I didn't think about baseball. I don't know why I should have thought about baseball, all that money. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just happened to go out to the track team and, and try out. And it was cool. I had some friends that uh, kind of like introduced me to it. And uh, they kind of kept kept me just going. I really didn't want to just quit. I didn't take it really too much serious. It was all just to get better in football, just to stay in shape. And then uh, my friends just kept pushing me and pushing me. And then, shoot, I actually just just wound up started learning more about the sport and actually liking it. Then I ran into like a club coach that, that taught me a lot of different stuff about the sport and uh, made me better as a total athlete and got me more interested into it. And then after that, it just, it just took off for me. Yeah. I mean, you kind of touched on it right there. I mean, when, when was it that you realized like, Oh, like I'm actually good like at this, like I can, I can make this a thing, maybe go to college and shoot, maybe even, even past that. Well, my first, my first letter had to come like when I was like a so sophomore or junior, I think sophomore, junior, sophomore was my first year running. I only ran like 48, I think like um, seven or something like that, maybe. And I got like a letter from like Navy and I was like, okay, this is decent, but I'm not really training. Like I was still, I had like no discipline in high school. So I was eating bad and stuff. And I, and I kind of was like partying and stuff like that too. Like at like a young, young age. So I really didn't take it too seriously. And then that next season I had, that's when I actually met LaShawn Merritt and then I talked to him. And then seeing him, I, I had to Google him. I didn't know exactly like who he was or what he what actually what he actually did. And then seeing him, okay, let's say Olympic gold medalist, and him just talking to me, giving me a little speech. I felt a little inspired. And then went to my club coach and told him, like, look, I'm gonna try to go all in with this. Like, I'm gonna try to put football to the side and see see if I can get better. If I ran 48 seconds, not really taking it seriously, I know if I put my all into something that I can get a little better. And I went from 48 seconds that that sophomore year to 46 
um, three the next year. So I dropped almost like two seconds. And uh, after that, I was like, okay, this is where I belong. I thought my progression would take me to 42 seconds because <laughs> I didn't understand the sport at all. So um, yeah, after I ran, um, after I really locked in and, and ran 46 that year, I ran 46 indoors. So I wound up running 46 at the Army in, uh, at New Balance Nationals and I broke the junior class record. So after that, I literally got flooded with letters and I was like, okay, maybe I could be something serious from that point. Yeah. Yeah. Once you, you start getting all those letters, like if you having the lack of discipline and getting a letter from Navy, it might be like, Oh man, I, that's, a, yeah, that's I, a I'm not, I was like, is this the college I have to go to that I'm, I'm really messed up. So, uh, I started getting like interested in like Florida state and different other schools, like, uh, really just that, that junior year in the army, just running from guys, like running with guys like Najee Glass and Gino, they was already signed to, to go to different schools like Florida or RG Billy at A&M. And I was really like the next guy up. So all the schools just really looked at me that year. And then after that, I just kind of took it more seriously. I felt like, and it was ready to, to really advance and make myself a better athlete. Yeah. You meant, you mentioned earlier, you got to meet LaShawn Merritt earlier on before you were even really into track and field all too much. Um, could you kind of share what that story was like? Like, cause it, it's pretty interesting how you actually got to meet him and, and, and talk with him. And then, you know, that ended up, you know, eventually propelling you into competing against them later on as a, as even a pro. Yeah, it was cool. Um, well, with LaShawn, I think I was, I was, I might've been at work. I think I was at work. So I was working at finish line and, uh, I was on Twitter just looking at, looking up stuff. And I had basically kind of knew, knew of him. Like I knew he was like a big track star from the area. A lot of people, so um, they talked about him all the time. I knew he was in the OA Olympics and won gold and he ran my event. So um, I think he was having like a trivia on his page and it was like, you have to answer these three questions. So I answered the questions as fast as I could while I was at work, like right, right in the middle of work, just answering, answering, answering. And it was like, you'll get a surprise. So the surprise was um, you get some tickets to, to a football game, which is like, I think the old Dominion or something like that, where he graduated from. And uh, basically like when I met him, I won the tickets. We, we met up, I bought myself and my other friend that ran track. And uh, basically, he was just giving me, like, the, the small run-through of, like, uh, what he did to, to that point and uh, how he got to where he was. And, and basically, just gave me, like, the young boy story. Like, you know, like, keep fighting. And uh, and uh, he actually knew my club coach at the time. So the guy that I was about to start training with, he knew who he was. And he basically was just telling me, like, yo, like, I think JB can really get you better. And, uh, you know, if you just keep continuing to train, you'll be better. You know how, how the older guy always talks to the younger guys. And he told me that type of thing. And I got I got inspired from that story, even even though it was like a little simple, you know, keep going, keep fighting type of story. It still inspired me that I could see someone from the area where I'm from uh, that's been like many places and ran way faster than me to tell me that I could actually reach a higher elite level. So that's really the spark I needed to 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 think about it, just going going hard and tapping into to my true talents. Yeah, I mean that's got to be yeah, cool. Uh, be able to meet somebody that's you know gold medalist, you know coming out one of the the greats in the four hundred, especially in the United States. Have you been able to tell him that story since then, or did he remember that even happening? Since you might have, ah, he actually remembers because um, I mean he was kind of like a he was like a like a big brother to me for like a long time, uh, from high school all the way to college. Like uh, remember my senior high school, he gave me my uh, he gave me a Nike uniform to run in at New Balance National, so I had like a the red Nike top with the black bottoms. He uh, gave that to me and, and it was, it was love. I thought that was like literally everything. I still got that uniform like framed in my house too also. So that was pretty like a cool moment. And then he, every time I seen him at meets, he always just gave me tips, always gave me tips. Like it was never a time when he kind of just uh, like just shrugged me off or anything like that. Like he always been like a real, real help. Even last year when I made the team, he came up to me, talked to me. Um, when I won Dominic final, he messaged me like he's always been there just helping me and pushing me and pushing me, even though he, he has his own goals to, to get at the same time. But of course, we wasn't on the same level 
at some point. So for me to, to go from that point of a kid running 50.48 to a guy that can run elite now is pretty, it's pretty cool. And, and to see him on this level is, is even cooler. Yeah, so it sounds like Nike was always destined to be Nike then. It started with the jersey. Hold so, so, hold so. Yeah, 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 yeah. It comes around full circle. And for so sure, for sure. You're coming from Virginia. Virginia's got a really, you know, talented track and field base. I mean, I don't know if you, you remember, but I went back and looked, and it looked like you actually ran against the Lyles brothers your senior year in, at the state championship when they were freshmen. They were yeah. freshmen. I remember yeah. Noah. Noah was legit, super, super legit. Yeah, I was. I was gonna say, what when? What was it like when you're you're a senior and you're seeing this freshman kid, you know, lining up at the four by four with his, you know, these two brothers? What What was that like? And then, you know, now seeing them today, and they're like, oh yeah, they're 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 legit runners now. Man, they were super talented. So I feel like uh, when I seen Noah when we was a uh, when I was a senior, I think he came up to me was like, um, you're Michael Cherry, like yeah, like. Yo, I'm go- I'm gonna beat you. This is like over 200 meters. I'm like, man, this dude crazy. Like, I, I feel like I ran the state at the time, so I'm like, nobody's really gonna beat me. And I think he might have ran 21-3 as a freshman. So at that point, I was like, oh, look, I'm glad I'm getting out of here. And then I seen Josephus that same summer run 47-2 as a freshman. I'm like, nah, I don't want no smoke with these guys. Like, <laughs> they're about to light it up in uh, Virginia because I think like when I was there, people was looking at me like I was like insane. And then this is see them come through and and run 20-20, 20-30 in high school, and then. Uh, Josephus come run 45, like mid or 45 low. That's super, super insane. I feel like they took it to a whole nother level to see like, okay, where I left off, they just raised the bar. I kept raising the bar, raising the bar, raising the bar. So, and I used to watch Noah high jump freaking like six, seven, six, eight. Like <laughs> he is super, super athlete. Like both of them, they were, they were both amazing. I, I watched both of them split 45 seconds at Penn Relays on the same high school relay. So they're freak athletes. Even Grant, I knew Grant since yeah. he was a freshman. Grant uh, raced against me in a couple four by fours. He was super, super elite. I knew his older brother. Uh, at that time, I feel like it was so many like young athletic athletic guys in that area. We had Moose King Williams, that was a pretty good two hundred meter runner. Um, man, it was it was a whole, it was a whole lot of talent in there. So yeah, seeing those guys, I feel like they really raised the bar after I left. So I, I I picked it up and then they they took off with it. There you go. Start it, pick it up one place, and they they take it and take off. And we see how you guys are running again well yeah i guess you're running against each other in some events you know there's mostly the two you're the four he's the the hurdler but still Mm -hmm. awesome to see you guys uh competing over here now um and so after that you you started off at at fsu and then ended up finishing off your career at at lsu um what was like the 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 change there was there anything in particular that was like hey i'm instead of going to fsu i want to i want to go over to you know to, to lsu there um, for me, I feel like, well, the main thing I would say uh, was was me. I had no discipline when I was at Florida State. I just think I was pretty, like, just ready to party. I was always ready to party, and I was focused on just trying to go pro. I didn't want to do anything else. Like, I just feel like I was there to run track and, <laughs> and not really do what I needed to do to actually succeed on the track. So I feel like I needed a fresh start. I wasn't really agreeing with the workouts and uh, just, like, my some of the coaching stuff that was going on over there. Uh, my coach wound up leaving and going to, I think, Tennessee or – um, shoot, Georgia, I think it was. So at that point, I was like, okay, cool. I need to just get a release, and I just need a fresh start to go into a program that I thought was pretty good. And LSU had a running Norwood at the time, Fitzroy Dunkley, a couple 400-meter runners that looked like they was running pretty good and progressed well. And I thought I could slide right in and, and then fit in and then improve like I did and, and just get better. So I was really just needed a fresh start and somewhere new to look at. And LSU was in my top, my top three coming out of high school. LSU and Oregon. So they was in my top again when I was ready to transfer at the same time. So that's pretty much it. 
Yeah, and you had a very solid year, uh, seasons over at LSU, and then eventually, you know, turning pro, joining Nike. Uh, could you kind of take us behind the scenes of, um, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, like, okay, is, like, what's it even like to, you know, sign a professional deal? Like, how, like, how does it work? Like, is it just you're, you're running track, and then one day somebody gives you a piece of paper, says, hey, here's Nike, hey, here's Adidas, hey, here's New Balance. Like, what's kind of that, that like to have, you know, a brand that you were, you've been wearing probably for years. You're, you're a big Jordan guy. What's it like to, you know, go through that process and be, you know, you're a part of the team now? I feel like it's cool, but it's kind of nerve wracking when you finish because you don't really know, like, uh, if a company will even sign you. Cause I feel like, especially for sprinters, it's pretty hard for us to get, get contracts. There's only like a certain amount of us that actually have bills. So, uh, when I first came out of school, I was seeing different people like Coleman sign with his uniform. I think I saw Chris Belcher. Everybody was really just putting on their uniforms and signing. I really didn't have a deal yet. So I, my agent was still fighting, looking for me, a deal for me. Like, I didn't know it was going to be Adidas, Nike, uh, anybody. So really, I, it was like a waiting game for me. I didn't wind up signing until maybe, when was it? I want to say World Championships, which is maybe in August. So uh, my agent told me that Nike was maybe interested first. So then you have to go in and negotiate all the stuff make sure uh, the terms are right. And then that happens, you sign that. And then that money doesn't come in for a while anyway. So once you sign a deal, that money doesn't come straight in. You have to wait at least until like a month or two. So you're sitting there low key with no money. Even before you actually sign a deal, coming from college to professional, I was broke during like the waiting process of like waiting to get signed. I might've had like $40 in my account. Cause at that point I'm literally out of school and uh, I'm really just waiting to, to find a deal. So I'm running at all these professional meets but I'm just super, super, super broke. So like, I remember like winning uh, London Diamond League when I came out of school and telling my agent, yo, you got to wire me a thousand dollars. I have no money. <laughs> I have no money. I'm so broke right now. I have no money, but like you have to wire me some bread so I can uh, at least pay my bills with until I get my actual deal. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's not as good as everyone think, think it is going to be like when you first, first come out, because everybody thinks they're coming out and they don't get the world largest deal, but it's, it's not, it doesn't happen like that. And actually, it's actually like you can get some good money for sure, but you have to literally work. And it it's all depends on what the market is paying. So if the market feels like you're you're worth the money, then you'll get paid. But if they feel like you're not really worth it, then you're not gonna get paid. But I feel like once you get that deal, it's it's like weight off your shoulders and you, you just feel a little better. Yeah, running Diamond League on ramen noodles and man, <laughs> and I was I was super broke, man. I remember just complaining to everybody like, yo, I have literally no money in my pocket. I couldn't go to summer school because I was overseas just trying to make money. So at that point, man, I was like, man, look, just wire me a thousand dollars. I'll pay it back once I get my money from the Diamond League. And then once you win that Diamond League, that money might not come in for like another month or two. So it's always it's always super super slow money. So all the young college kids out there think you're going to get paid straight up. It doesn't happen like that unless, unless you're just super dominant. Then you might get your money fast. <laughs> there so, you go. Who knows? You want to get your money fast, break some world records in college, do some of that. Yeah, they might sign you immediately fresh off the, fresh off the uh, plane from national. So, yeah. yeah. There you go. Be like a Mondo or whatever. Yeah. Mondo got the world's fastest deal. Mondo. <laughs> yeah. He, Mondo he, deal was done in two hours. <laughs> by the time he landed in the pit from the hot from the pole vault, it, it was yeah. all, all right. Here you go. I Boom, told right. everybody that on Twitter. I said Mondo had the world fastest signing. Like literally jumped at NASA's the next day. He's in Puma gear saying he signed Puma. I'm like, yo, what? He didn't have to wait at all. No process, no nothing. Mm -hmm. That's dope. So shout out to Mondo, man. He's he's the goat. There you go. There you go. And um, so now this year, like we mentioned, real real breakout year for you. You you've 
set a lot of personal bests. You're able to, to make your Olympic team for the first time. You make it to the final. Um, you know, what was it, what was it like to be able to see like, okay, now my work is really starting to pay off and, and I'm running times that I'm running in practice and really showing that I'm a force to be reckoned with not only here in the United States, but also internationally when it comes to the 400. Yeah, I, I kind of just feel like I had like a, a chip on my shoulder that I wanted to just prove to everybody that I could be elite, not only because people was labeling me as a relay guy. That kind of that kind of was pissing me off. Like, <laughs> I, I think I remember watching one of your podcasts one time too. Like, man, I don't really, I never really heard of this guy, but he's he's coming up. Like, he's coming up. Yeah. So I kind of felt like it was like pissing me off. Just I watch everything too, so I watch all type of shows. I read all type of comments, and I like it. Like, it kind of like just inspires me just to go out there and want to do a little better. So um, for me, it was just like proving people and just proven to myself that I can actually be elite. But these past couple of years, I've been injured. I had like an Achilles problem for the past two, three years since I've been professional. So I really feel like I had the talent, but I just can't show the world what I wanted them to see because I was always so injured. So this year was about just being healthy, making my first individual team so I can shut those haters up. And then actually going out there and trying to do something and progress and get better and, and, sh and showing that I can show up in big moments too. Cause I feel like that's a lot too. Cause you can run fast, and then don't show up when the moment is big, and then people still criticize you for that too. So it's like, bro, you, you can't really win. But if you go out there and do good every single time you compete and 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 shut that noise up, then what more can you really ask for? Oh man, that was two years. That was January 2020. You remember that? I remember that. I was like, yo, I remember watching. I was like, yes, yeah, so I'm looking at the podcast. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. He's like, yeah, Michael Cheer. I never really heard of this guy. I'm like, dang. <laughs> I feel like I've been around for a little minute too, but I'm like, okay, it's cool. Like I'm a, I'm gonna show everybody what I can do. It's, it's cool. Like I have no problem with that. That wasn't like a, I didn't feel like that was like a shot. You feel me? I just feel like, dang, like that's kind of crazy. Like you don't know who I am at all. Like I feel like I've been around for a good little minute. Man, my bad. <laughs> like yeah. Oh, not that I'm old, but like, okay, cool. Like all right, I, I needed that. That was, that was everything I needed to, to, to go out there and continue to get better. And I feel like I still get criticism now, so it's, it's, it's fine. Like that's what I feel like you need to continue to push and continue to go through and, and, and be the best athlete you can be. But last year was, was pretty legit from, I feel like just me being healthy. If I wasn't, if I wasn't healthy, then I couldn't do any, any of those type of things. And just starting to click with my coach. I think my problem was I kept leaving different programs. So I left from LSU. I was, at, I was at Florida state, left Florida state, went to LSU for two, three years, left LSU. And I got put with John Smith in Los Angeles. And uh, it's, I feel like it took me some time to just really get used to the workouts and, and really uh, just learn him learning me and me learning him. And last year, it just started clicking. So I think the pandemic was a blessing too at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that. You've had a lot of, you've, you've moved around a lot. Because I think, what, you're, you were born in New York, right? Born in New York. I left New York in high school. So mm -hmm. at that point, went to, um, went to Virginia. I didn't run track at all. So I met my actual, I ran track in, high, in my high school, stopped letting them train me, started training my club coach, uh, left him, went to Florida State. Then I left Florida State, went to LSU. Okay. Then I left LSU and I got put with John Smith. So I always was telling my high school coach, my, well, my club coach, I was telling him, I think what most 400 meter runners, runners have over me is just um, the, the time they spent with their coaches and just like the experience in the sport. So I thought my ceiling was super, super high. And uh, you can ask my agents. I always tell my agents at meets, even when I was losing, I'm like, man, I think I have such a high ceiling that people don't realize that. Like, I feel like me, me running 44 sixes, me just not knowing what I'm doing. Like once I actually put stuff together, uh, I'm really going to be something, something serious. So I think even the 44 flat, me showing that I can run 44, 16 times in a row. And you, you put that with those, with those names of people that was on that list. It shows you that I feel like I could be a 43 mid guy, 43, 43 high guy. So 
Um, for me, it's just about being consistent at this point and, 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 and uh, making sure I, I just stay with my coach and, yeah. and lock in with him, though. So yeah, it's going pretty well right now. Hopefully the fifth time's the charm. That's what we got to <laughs> hope. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I've been too many places, man. I'm tired of moving out. I want to make this my home and, and finish it off here. There we go. There we go. And and it's cool because you're, you're mentioned like you since you started track a little later than normal people or many other people that are, you know, your, your competitors. I was talking to uh, Terrence Laird uh, a little while ago, and he was in a similar thing where he started track late when he was, you know, a sophomore or whatever, junior in high school. It's like, yeah, so you're it's like, yeah, so I started later. So I don't have all those miles on my legs that really start to add up, especially if you're in a 400 by the time you're later on in your career. So that can be a blessing you know, once you're, you're, you know, pushing your, your thirties in a few years and you know, when, whenever. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like you just have way more room to improve because you still, even though you're running fast, I think you just don't, you don't understand everything about yourself. And even like the sport period, like you just don't understand, okay. Uh, just running a 400 correctly. I feel like last year was my first time, like really, okay. Understanding what I have to do in 400 meters. And that's why I was able to be so consistent. So when you start learning small stuff like that, it's kind of hard for you uh, not to get better. So I think the sky's really the limit, and I, and I and I still have a big big window mm-hmm. to to improve. And and so with the United States, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Where it's like if you're at if you if you make it out of the United States trials, then you have a very very good shot at being uh, in that medal contention. Yeah. But that big if is if you make it out of U.S. Because there, everyone that lines up at the final, shoot, everyone that lines up in the semis could potentially make an Olympic team like or, or a major team. So mm-hmm. what's it like for you, like, now that you have that Olympic experience, knowing, like, that there are 10, 15 people that could legitimately make a team? And how are you making sure that you're still one of those names that's going to be crossing the finish line top three? Um, I mean, for, for me, I kind of feel like it's, it's been like that forever. And I think um, really when I look at different levels, I kind of category like this. I think you have your top guys, then you have a whole bunch of guys in the middle, and then you have your bottom. So once you break through to the top, I think it gets a little easier for you. So I feel like it's, it's, it's still super, super difficult, but I feel like if you're running close to your elite level, so say I ran, I'm a 44-0 guy now. If I run 44-0, I think I should be able to make the team. Now, if I drop down and start running 44-6 again, I'm having trouble making that team because it's a lot of guys that can run between 44-6, 44-3. And it's, and it's new guys that come every single year. Like, you're always going to have a collegiate that might break the freaking collegiate record to run 43-something. And then when it comes down to just competing on those days, I just think I'm going to be one of the guys that's just going to be able to lock in and, and really put myself on the team now. If I'm healthy, I think it shouldn't be a problem. But it's it's definitely going to be hard, and it's, and it's hard every single year because you have new guys and you have the older guys that's still there. And it's super, I think the 400 might be one of the hardest events to, to actually, to actually make the team in. Cause who knows what you might have to run. Like to even win trials, you have to go sub 44. <laughs> like that, that's, that's super, super insane. And uh, I feel like it's always new guys. Like guys can jump out the event, jump back in. Fred went to the hundred, Randolph Ross came over. <laughs> so so yeah. it's like, man, it happens all the time. And uh, you never might, you never know when a guy might pop off and might find his rhythm and, and get it even better. It just, it just interchanges and switches out every single year. But if you're one of those top guys, I feel like you shouldn't have the trouble making a team. And if you're not, then you just got to figure it out. You got to figure it out like I did, man. It's hard, but I feel like I can get it done though. There you go. I mean, hey, you, you kind of stole my, my, ne- my next question. I have two more for you. Um, with what was your initial reaction? You being a 400 meter guy, seeing Fred Curley saying, He's going to go down to the hundred. What was your initial reaction? 
And then, you know, what was it seeing, you know, after when you're like, oh, okay, it, it ended up working? Because I've seen you guys, you, you guys retweet each other's stuff all the time. So I'm guessing you guys are, are fairly close. What was yeah. that initial reaction seeing another 400 meter guy dropping down to the, to the one? I thought it was smart. I thought the 100 team was going to be easier to make than the 400 team, if you're being honest, because uh, at the time when he when he made that decision, Randolph just ran 43, Mike Norman was in there. I, I was starting to get hot. I think the trials was going to be harder in the 400. When I was looking at the 100, I seen Trayvon dominating, but it looked pretty open. Like, no disrespect to, like, Bracey. I told Bracey the same thing, too. Like, I think he has a good chance to make the 100-meter team. And this is when we was on the phone, because it, it's really like you have your top guy, but it was no Coleman. So I feel like it was anybody's anybody's game, really. So I always thought Fred was going to make the team in the 100 anyway. Like, that really didn't, like, surprise me. Uh, once I seen him run 9-9 at, um, was it uh, Ostrava? That sounds right, yeah. I think if you can run 9 and overseas, you're legit. You're a legit 100-meter runner, like, at that point. So people seen him run in Florida. We was like, mm, I don't know. It might be a little fool. You know, we seen it in Florida. <laughs> like, I don't know. He ran He ran in Florida. And it might look not look, look legit. But once Fred went over there and beat the grass and uh, I think Gatlin in Ostrava, yeah. I was like, man, he had me on board, man. He's a hundred meter guy. It's good. <laughs> like, like yeah. I had no doubt in him meddling and going to make the team. I thought that was definitely going to happen. Talking about changing events, you started off as an 18, an 800 meter guy. In a few interviews, you mentioned you're thinking about doing an 800, you know, and in a, in a season. When, when might we see this? Let the, let the people know. Let's get an idea. When could we see <laughs> Michael Cherry lining up against Donovan Brazier and, and, the, and the crew in an 800? I, I don't know, man. I wish we had an off year so I could just completely run, train for the 800 and run it all in one year because I think I could run I think I could run at least 145, 144 like if I actually trained and actually put myself to it because I don't see myself as a 4-2 guy. I think I'm more of a 4-8 guy, but I don't really get to show my, my 800 side because I have to get faster in order to compete with these 2019 and uh, 20 point uh, 200 meter, uh, 400 meter runners and nine, 900 meter runners. So um, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to try to run one at least next year to try to just get it out the way. But I wanted to run a 600 this year, a fast one. I wish I would have got in at uh, the one with Donovan was out in Spokane with the 113. That was, that was super crazy fast. But uh, maybe maybe next year. I wish I had an off year so I could actually try to run a full-blown 800. I want to run at least two to three and, and test it out and see how fast I can run. But I think I can run pretty fast in the 800. So coming up soon, I won't say this year, but next year for sure. All right, watch out. 2023, keep your eyes peeled. And uh, last question for you. So you you spoke on this on Twitter a, couple day, uh, a little while ago. I made a whole podcast about it. I need to hear your opinion from the horse's mouth. Now we heard that that little bit of track beef, and mm -hmm. you're you tweeted out track beef ain't real, it's imaginary, yeah. and and uh, so I need to, I need to hear I need to hear your take. It doesn't have to be on the situation. We, you don't have yeah. to talk about you know what was going on there unless you want to. But yeah. what's your what what's your take on what this what track beef is? I heard in 2018 you guys had you had a little something going on a few years ago. <laughs> so let's yeah. stop acting like you weren't involved in some stuff a couple of years nah, ago. Nah, nah, I just I, I just think it's all fun and games, you know. I feel like uh I feel like it's good for the sport though, you know. Them talking trash to each other. I feel like when you line up, it's gonna have people watching because track is pretty boring as a whole and. When you watch it, it's no really no entertainment in it. So when you see those two guys beefing like that, it's legit. People want to go and, and watch them line up and see it. But I think it's all it's all BS. It's funny games. <laughs> there we go. Well, hey, if it makes the if it makes the race more exciting, if people are yeah, tuning yeah, in. People, people are actually going to want to watch them line up now. Like who doesn't want to see that? They actually don't like each other. So when you see it now, it's gonna make it a little bit more exciting. I feel like it'll it'll get the views up, but we just have to get the regular public into that 
and not just the track and field people. Cause that's cool. We have a small little community. Everyone sees it here, but we need the regular people to see the same thing so they can be interested in it as well. Yeah. I, I, I think we need to pay whoever, whoever's running any race, Tyreek Hill, Usain Bolt. I know to us it's, it's dumb. Like yeah. it, it shouldn't happen, but that's gonna you're gonna get all the NFL fans, all the track fans watching. Exactly. That. I just think I just think we just have to pull pull. I think track is so guided by like these these old gatekeepers that it kind of has to just be one way and one way only. Even when you see like the Jerron Florinoy LSU Houston thing, mm-hmm. people didn't like that. They're like, oh, it's no room for that in track and field. Like, no, this is what we need. Like track is so boring. Everyone lines up, everybody wants to shake hands. That's why I love Shikari. I think Shikari is super, super legit, super talented. And she brings all eyes on it. Like, uh, I could be walking down the street. I tell people I went to LSU. They're like, oh, so you went to school with Shikari? Like, people know who Shikari Richardson is because she can pop that and then she can back it up too at the same time. So I think when you have that in the sport, that's what people want to see. Like, rappers want to see that. They don't want to see anybody hugging and, and trying to be friends. Like, rappers are rappers. Like, and, and that's, why I, that's why people like the NFL and NBA. It's just more... This is more what my high school coach would say. It's more hip hop involved. I think I think track and field has to adopt some hip hop in there and get some swag. We don't have any swag in the sport, and I feel like once the swag comes through the sport, it'll make the sport better as a whole. Yeah, and something you'll you'll notice about all those guys you mentioned, LSU. <laughs> it's something it's... for sure, for sure. That's what I'm saying. So I think we got we definitely recruit kids with swag. We 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 like all of that. You know, I'm not gonna say we condone fighting and stuff, but like we we like <laughs> all the kids with swag over there, man. I think LSU does a good job with that. Now, if the whole world could adopt the same culture and stop holding on to the same type of guys, then I think it'd be better. So I feel like if we do that track and field to be better as a whole, and and we can have more entertainment and maybe get some more money in here because right now it's boring just seeing everybody dab each other up, and hug and. And, and dance and, and stuff like that. Like, it's not, that's not cool. Like, it has to be beef somewhere. <laughs> like, there we go. There we, can't be friends. <laughs> there we go. Well, we're going to be waiting for for whoever you're calling out soon, man. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep our eyes peeled for whoever the, whoever Michael's calling out. But sure. hey, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been super awesome having you on the show. Um, and uh, and we do know your name. We're not saying you're just a relay guy <laughs> like two years ago. It's love. It's love now. It's love, man. It's cool. You know, I appreciate appreciate you for having me on the show. You know, you know, it's it's been fun and you know, no hard feelings, you know. It's all it's all part of the game. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it's not gonna be a man, who's this this Michael Cherry guy? No, we, 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 we won't be doing that. Yeah, because but uh, thank you, Michael. Where, where can people go to, to follow you, learn more about what you got going on, whether it's on social media or, or anything like that? Okay, on Twitter, it's uh, underscore MCJR, and then uh, Instagram is AY underscore attractive. So T-R-A-C-K-T-I-V-E. There you go. There you go. Go and follow him. We got a whole bunch of content going on there. A lot of tweets. Hey, you might even win a sports better too. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, I can bless y'all. I can show y'all, show y'all something too. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to everyone for listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. If you want more content, go follow us on Instagram at Track World News. Uh, we post highlights, things pretty much daily. Uh, also remember to subscribe, give this a like and a review. That's going to be it for us here. Peace. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.